Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind for episode 54 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I'm joined by Chad Peterson, who owns Peterson Acquisitions. Chad, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. Awesome, Chad. So for, for those who don't know about you or Peterson Acquisitions, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what, what you do at Peterson Acquisitions? Sure. Yes. My name is Chad Peterson. I own Peterson Acquisitions. I am an expert business broker and I sell businesses for those that are self-employed who may be getting burnout or bored or their passions are headed towards a different direction. I'm the guy you call if you want to sell your business. And we were recently ranked number one in the country, or I should say I was ranked number one business broker in the country. Wow. and just have a hell of a lot of fun with doing what I, do, what I do, and I get to help business owners across the country exit their business and run off to a new adventure and a new chapter of their life. Right. Very cool, and I'm, I'm really interested, mainly because the just the idea of, of buying, selling businesses and, and treating them like the assets that they really are has always interested me. Chad, you, you kind of alluded to this in how you described it, but is the main reason that people sell their bit or want to sell their businesses simply because they kind of run out of motivation or, or get tired or, or bored? Absolutely. Here's what happens. Um, psychologically, it takes a lot to go start a business. It mm -hmm. just does. You know, I mean, you have to be able to step off that cliff. You know, you have to burn the boats behind you. You know, you have to dedicate everything you got to build a business right. and you really can't be thinking about selling the business while you're in that mindset. And then what happens is, is suddenly the business levels off. There's not as much excitement. You know, the stakes aren't as high. Now you're just living a mundane existence going into the office every day and it's kind of status quo. And if you look at the psychology of it, somebody who built a business they, they really need that intensity. You know, somebody who starts a business from the ground up. Mm -hmm. So when the intensity starts to wane, so does the passion. I see it right. all the time. So, and here's what I tell, you know, for your, for your audience, be careful of that. Be careful of your passion and, and check into it regularly. How passionate are you about your business? It's something that you should always be asking yourself because here it is, folks. Where there's no passion, there's no profit. As soon as, as soon as you lose the passion, your numbers start to decrease. Not because you want them to increase, but because the passion is what ignites you into action. Mm -hmm. Because you're aligned with what it is you want to do. And as soon as you're not aligned with that, and you've lost some of that will to do it, your numbers will show me that. So if you sent me a profit and loss statement a year after you said you were burnt out, I'm going to show you a decrease in revenue. Right. So, and, and, so, and especially true for solopreneurs because, and I've lived through this where you lose the passion and then the, the output starts to decline, right? I, you start posting less on social media, you start, you know, your sales efforts go down. So it naturally makes sense that, uh, or I should say your inputs decrease. And so it makes sense that naturally the outputs would, would decrease as well. Chad, can I ask about 
how does one differentiate between demotivation and, and passion to a point where you should sell and move on and just maybe you're having a crappy week or a crappy month or, or maybe you're going through some personal stuff? Like, is there, is there a line there? Or is there a, differenti- you know, different, uh, a differential between the two? Yeah, there is. And the thing is that you must first ask yourself the question, am I aligned with my purpose and my passion? You have to Mm -hmm. continually ask that. Now, if you get pissed off at an employee or something happens that week, you know, that you, you suddenly don't like, you know, what you're doing. Hey, that's temporary. That's acute. That's not Mm -hmm. long term. Don't even worry about it. You know, bad weeks happen. Hell, bad months happen. Right. But if you ask yourself honestly and you gut check yourself, how passionate and how aligned am I with with what I'm supposed to be doing? And if, if it's a 10 on a one to scale, one, one to 10, well, if it's a 10, then great. Don't question it. But if you, if you do an honest gut check with yourself and the passion is not there and you're still trying to struggle to do it, then what you're doing is you're spending all of your emotional energy trying to be okay and excited about doing this XYZ thing that you really don't want to do while, while, while you do that, you deplete the energy that would otherwise be available to do something you're passionate about. So you spend all, you spend more emotional effort trying to do something you don't want to do than you would if you really wanted to do it and, and, and uh, put it into something that would bring you much more passion and much more profit. So you're wasting your time. Right. That's a really good way to put it. So Chad, I definitely want to dive more into that uh, and, and the business brokeraging as a whole, but can we talk a little bit about how you became an entrepreneur yourself? Is, is this something that you started right out of school? Uh, you know, I'd love to hear about the first business that you started. Uh, is it, you know, were, were you the type to have your lemonade stand growing up? And uh, basically, you know, how did your entrepreneurial journey start? It's a great question. And before I answer it, I want to tell you that, um, you know, school and the education that the school provides, it just never did anything for me. Mm-hmm. So when, when I was in school, I was so unimpressed by teachers. I was so unimpressed <laughs> yeah. with, with those types of people. But whenever, whenever I was a little kid and I was in the real world, my little real world, and I would be talking to whatever. And I, and I, and I saw the cars they were driving and I, I saw the houses they were living in and, and how they lived. They were always self-employed. So I think if I had to answer it honestly, I think it happened when I was real young. Um, education and the whole system, and that's what it needs to be called. It needs to be called a system of education because it's, you know, I, I like Albert Einstein's quote, never let education get in the way. Never let school get in the way of your education. Right. Okay. Um, I, it just wasn't for me. And so, I started paying attention. You know, I had a raised eyebrow at the self-employed at a real young age. So yes, I was, I was operating a limited lemonade stand. I was, uh, I was walking dogs. I was shoveling snow. Uh, I was picking weeds out of gardens. Um, I was raking leaves. I was pushing a lawnmower whenever I was strong enough to do it. That's mm-hmm. when it started. I got the entrepreneurial bug when I was real young. I've always had money. Always. When I was eight years old, uh, my brother that was five years older than me was borrowing money from me. Mm -hmm. 
I would go to a garage sale, I would buy something and I would turn around and sell it to a friend for a $3 profit. That's the kind of stuff that I did when I was a kid. So I could say I was born with it, but I think it's really that I was just paying attention to those that were living a good life. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got started at a real young age and being an entrepreneur. And then whenever I got a little older and school became increasingly painful, um, I started, I, I started my own business and uh, you know, a, a legitimate business. I don't mean like my other little businesses I had started as a kid, but a legitimate business where, you know, uh, I was running it like, you know, a 40 year old man would. And that business was lawn and landscaping. And mm -hmm. I had trucks and trailers and equipment and all that. I was making more than my teachers right. at the age of 16 years old. And uh, I could have just said to hell with school and been done with it, but I didn't. I just stayed in and graduated just because why not? Uh, looking back, I wish I would have left at 16 and gotten my, my, my life on track right then. But uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. But education, school wasn't doing anything for me after sixteen, mm -hmm. and I built that company, making more than my teachers. My senior year, I uh, I signed up for the uh, the uh, work program where I only had to take my mandatory two classes, and then I went to work. My senior year, I won't tell you the number, but it was a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I I did very very well my senior year because you know, work ethic, you know, whenever you're, it, it's like, Hey, I'm going to have to be in school eight hours. You, you know, you get out of school at 10 o'clock in the morning. You got nothing to do. Your friends are at school. It's like, Hey, I got to work. So that's was my senior year. And I ended up uh, selling that business. And oh, wow. that, that was the first business that I sold. And it was just before uh, my 19th birthday. Why did why'd you sell it? Well, because I was moving on, I, I had dreams and aspirations to, to become a pilot. I, I told myself if I ever had a job, the only thing that I would really do is be a pilot. Otherwise, I'll be self-employed. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went and um, became a commercial airline pilot. I was in the air whenever 9-11 happened. I, oh, wow. I, I went to school with the terrorists down in Florida. And uh, it was one hell of a of an, of journey. And... I went through that journey and I lost my career uh, just after 9-11. Not that I needed any more affirmation as to why I'm self-employed, but it sure was yet again another lesson as to why you should be self-reliant, solopreneur, or um, you know, a, a, an executive at a business that you started with lots of employees. Whatever it is, you should be self-reliant. That's what I preach. Because at any given moment, you don't know what's going to happen. Okay? Right. And um, so I lost my career in 9-11. Chad, what, why, why did you – it seems like up until the age of 19, everything was pointing towards you'd, you'd be like a lifer in terms of an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Why did you go down the, the pilot road? Was it just the extreme interest and passion in, in that one occupation? Well, it's, it's still there. I mean, I still fly. I have a fascination with flying and then emotionally, right. emotionally it drove me to want to be a pilot because, um, I, I love to travel. And so if you're going to, if you're going to sign me up to travel and get paid for it and see the world, right. sign me up and, uh, piloting is, is, you know, it's so exciting, but truth be told, 
once you get, uh, you know, to be a commercial pilot and you're up there, it's, you're, you're a glorified bus driver, really. I mean, right. it's, it's pretty boring, but uh, the, the thrill of being a pilot and being paid to travel the world was, was uh, alluring, no doubt. But yes, you're correct. I mean, I, I never thought that I'd have any job because I had, uh, I had always worked for myself, but I gave it a shot. And then I lost my, my, my career in 9-11. I had a baby on the way. And it was, I was faced with now what, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so I, um, the mortgage business was, was real hot back then. You know, the rates had just dropped from the eights and sevens down to the sixes and it was a big thing. And I learned a little bit about mortgages and I opened up my own mortgage company and I built it to 120 employees. Wow. We were, we were you know, in some years we got up to $9 million in revenue. And I was um, a 25-year-old uh, multimillionaire. Wow. And um, I was yet again put in the position of, you know, what am I going to do now? Because 2008 hit. Mm-hmm. 2008 hit. And if you were in the mortgage business <laughs> at that time, yeah. you, may as well, you may as well have been a pilot in 9-11. It was like, so I got, I got crushed in 2001 with 9-11. And then I had a seven to $9 million a year revenue company and 08 hit the mortgage industry. I got mm-hmm. crushed twice, 01 and 08. Mm-hmm. And yet again, I was faced with what am I going to do now? Cause I had to literally go in and shut my doors. There was all the subprime lending, all the hundred percent loans, everything went to banks. You really don't find brokers anymore. It was the end of the broker world for uh, mortgages. It was the the end of the road. And, and had you, uh, did, did you have to just straight up close down that entire business? Yeah, I did. That that was the one that, that, that's, that's, that's going to send you into the next topic is how did I get into this? Right. By this time. Can can I pause for just one second, Chad? Because what, what I'm really interested, well, I'm interested in a lot of things right now, but how so you're now the at this point in the story you're 25 years old and you've already grown two businesses to bigger revenue numbers than probably most people will in their entire lives um without you know any education past high school why do you th- or how do you think you were able to do that right especially when you're building a team in an office of over 100 people like that is difficult on so many different levels how were you able to do it? Uh, and, and were you relying on resources? Were you reading books? Were you, were you leaning on mentors? Uh, really curious, or, or was it all just kind of natural and, and learned by uh, trial by fire? Well, naturally, I'm a driven entrepreneur. I mean, just naturally, that's what I am. But, you know, there's a certain mindset you have to have with that. And I have it. And, you know, this world has gone and told people that you have to be you have to have an MBA or you have to have, you know, this degree or that degree. That's the, that's what the world has told us mm-hmm. yet. Yet let's look at this real closely. Henry Ford had an eighth grade education. Mm-hmm. Some of the most brilliant people in the world, people that have changed the world had no education. Jesus Christ didn't have an education. Jesus himself didn't have a ministry degree. I mean, <laughs> He, he didn't have to go anywhere and get a certificate and then go pay his business license fee and register with the state of 
Kansas or the state of Florida to be able to practice and, you know, pay his, it's not how it works. That's what the world has done. The world has thwarted creativity, passion, and drive and has replaced it with, oh, you haven't, you don't have the education, so you couldn't build an organization. Well, when Henry Ford faced Congress and they asked him, how do you think with an eighth grade grade education that you are fit to run this world-changing corporation? And, you know, he got through it. You know, he got through it and said, you know, what does it matter? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hire wonderful people and I have a dream and a passion and a vision for the automobile. Mm-hmm. What does it matter if I didn't go to the school you went to? You're not doing anything. What are you doing with your education other than questioning me? Mm-hmm. So I, I have a lot of that in me, if that makes sense. And then secondarily, uh, you know, I graduated high school. I went to, went to college. I could have very easily graduated college, and I didn't. I just, there's no need. You know, you see these people getting out of college, they're dead ass broke. They've got all this debt economically. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be an economist to figure out that the, mm-hmm. that the money that you spend towards education, it, it, it doesn't come back to you. So yes, I have a, especially in the U S these days. Yeah. I have a boat. I have a, I have a beautiful, beautiful boat. And the name of my boat is uneducated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people, people laugh at it because they know what it means. Mm-hmm. And so while the, uh, the education types are out there touting how educated they are, uh, I just went and made a million dollars. So mm-hmm. you, can, you can talk about your education or you can get off your ass and go do something. And I'm, I'm that second guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to answer your question maybe a little bit better, I mean, how did I do it? Well, I went into the office and I worked. And I worked and I worked and I worked and I didn't care about what time it was at night. I worked. Mm-hmm. I would, um, I would take a nap at my desk. It didn't matter what I had to do. I worked. And then right. I bring, I, then I hired, I hired people and I trained them to do what I was doing. And mm-hmm. I did it again and again and again. And I probably ended up hiring 400 people just in a couple years just to get, the, the group that I wanted. Actually, probably more than that, maybe 600 people. I had to be relentless. Not only was I working, but I'd, I'd pause working and I'd go interview somebody mm-hmm. to bring them into the organization. I built the organization to 120 loan officers. I was spending $150,000 a month in marketing and I was training them to be razor sharp and to have the work ethic that I have. And if they, if they didn't cut it, they would find their way out the door or I would fire them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I do it. You, you either work hard with me or you perish. That's, that's all there is to it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a mentality to, to answer your question shortly. It's a mentality. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great answer. So let's get back to the story. You're, you're around 25 and the mortgage crisis hits and you're a mortgage broker. Uh, what, what's the next step there? Well, it hit and it hit hard, and I realized that the expenses that I had uh, occurred because I was I was a big ship. I really was. You know, I had 120 people. I had five locations, um, just a ton of monthly operating expenses, and I, I forget now what the expenses were, but I'm going to guess that, you know, between my marketing 
and uh, just my hard operational expenses, I was probably somewhere around, you know, 250, maybe $270,000, you know, hard cost without marketing, probably like, you know, $140,000 a month or something, mm-hmm. you know, in hard costs with all my leases and everything, all the equipment that I had leased plus, plus the office leases and everything. So, you know, I, I realized the writing was on the wall, all the B, you know, the B paper subprime lending was over. It was going to banks and government loans. And there was about a two year period there where everything got adjusted. And so I just knew that, that my, my employees couldn't navigate that. So I walked in, I, uh, I said, guys, you know, it's been a good run. We've had a lot of good times. We've had some laughs, um, made, made a lot of money you know, we're, we're friends, we're family, whatever we are, but it's over. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I shut the doors down and I cleaned it all up, you know, um, paid my bills and the bills that I didn't pay, um, you know, fought through that because, you know, it's hard to pay on a lease for five years when you're not in there. So I fought through what it took to go through those hard times. Um, and I went and started another business, and um, I built that company and sold it. And so this is right around the time that the passion was ignited in me because had I sold my business before 08 hit, I could have sold my business for somewhere around $10 million. Mm-hmm. But I waited a year too long and it was roughly worth zero, give or take a dollar. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I really got my ass kicked. I really did. I mean, when I say I got my ass kicked, I got pummeled mm-hmm. and uh, it was all timing. So I, I should have sold my business a year before to somebody who would have had a different, you know, a more strategic approach, maybe sold my company to a bank to where my employees would now be become, you know, bank employees and the bank could have used my loan officers to mark to their own uh, pool of existing customers, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But I, I waited and, and foolishly, when people would approach me about buying my company, I would say, well, why am, why am I going to sell my company? I'm doing so well. Why am I going to sell it? And boy, those words, they <laughs> echo into eternity because for your audience, when you're doing well is the time to sell. Right. <laughs> okay. Not, you know, nobody's going to be trying to you know, buy a ticket whenever the you know, to the Titanic, whenever it's sinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're doing well is the time to sell. And uh, I learned that lesson hard. Uh, a passion was ignited in me at that point. And a friend of mine said, Chad, you're so good at helping people with this. You know, or you're or doing this. Why don't you help people with this? And I said, well, okay, maybe I should. So I started doing it. While I was building my company, I was helping other people get their companies ready for sale. And I was helping them in negotiations. And that's really how this business was born. And, uh, I've built uh, six businesses and I've sold them. And, uh, the biggest one that I ever built was the one that I didn't sell the mortgage company. (laughs) And so I I learned my lesson. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah. I'm interested to know what that next business was that you started after the mortgage one. Well, it's, (laughs) I'll tell you, it's kind of funny. I was, I was with my, uh, my girlfriend at the time. And she was nagging, man, just nipping at my ass to tell me to go make the, the deck look nicer outside. Cause you know, the, we'd go hang out on the deck. There was a hot tub out there and it, it just looked terrible. Mm-hmm. 
and she kept nagging at me and nagging at me. And, and one morning she's like, Hey, are you going to get this deck looking right? And I was, I said, all right, fine. I got up and that was, I knew that was my next couple days of my life. Mm-hmm. So I went to the hardware store and, uh, or actually it's Home Depot. And I asked them what to do. They told me I did it and it looked like absolute shit <laughs> after I was done with it. Okay. Yeah. And so I start paying attention to everybody else's decks and their fences and it was no different. It's terrible. And so a business was born. Hmm. So I went out and figured out exactly how to do it, the right products, the right procedures, the right chemicals, the right application methods, and I built a company. It was the silliest little thing, but it was also 2008. It was a terrible economy. Politically, it was an absolute hellhole. I mean, the Obama, the Obama era, I think all the self-employed people felt the Obama era. It was hard. It was, they say it was the Great Recession, but I think we're just a little too politically correct to call it what it is. It was a depression. And so I took this small little business where I could go stay in somebody's deck and make $800 or $900. So I went from wearing a suit. Imagine this. I go from wearing a suit and a tie to literally working outside with my shirt off mm-hmm. with, you know, I had 120 employees. Now I'm standing decks. I mean, it was a, it was a loud and abrupt learning lesson. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short though, I did well. I started marketing it heavily and I uh, started off making eight, 900 bucks a day. And next thing you know, I was making 1800 bucks a day, you know, and it just grew from there. And I built that company for two years, made my money and I sold it for uh i think i sold that thing for three hundred thousand dollars so i made all my money in just a couple years and was totally fed up with it and sold it and made a three hundred thousand dollars you know 280 or something like that i forget now but Mm -hmm. it made a pretty good severance pay for me to walk away and i sold it and it's still in business today so so was that kind of the jumping point for the brokerage services no, because I was, that wasn't the jumping point because I was already doing that. I was doing okay. that on the side because people, people knew that I knew how to do this kind of thing. So I was already doing that. And I was passionate about helping people. It's just that I hadn't figured out that I was going to monetize it full time. You know, right. I was passionate about doing it, but I, I hadn't yet committed to building a full time business out of it. So I, so I built that small company and I sold it. And then I built another company of my own and I sold it. And then I had a, I had a gut check. Like I told your audience in the beginning, am I aligned with this? Do I want to go start another business on my own, run it for a couple years and sell it? Cause that's, you know how house flippers, they go buy a house and they fix it up and they live in it for just like a year and then they sell it and they make mm-hmm. money. They make yep. money. Okay. Well that's what I was doing with businesses. To me, it's easy. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a book called from blue to white and I taught, I teach people how to, I teach Joe Sixpack how to go build a business from a shoestring budget with, with having mm-hmm. nothing and go to making $100,000 a year. I can do it in my sleep. And I wrote that book from blue to white and, um, you know, I've changed some people's lives with it. But, um, you know, I had a gut check, you know, do I really want to go do that? And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. The answer was no. And so I took my friend's advice. He said, Chad, you're so good at this. Why don't you help other people do it? And that's when I just dedicated everything I could into it to build uh, what is now a national business brokerage. We're ranked number one in the country 
and we do really good business. And, you know, with my vast experience in business throughout the last three decades, uh, I bring a lot of boots on the ground wisdom and experience to assist sellers to moving on to their next adventure. And I absolutely love it. Great. And, and I want to go into more detail on the, the brokerage and, and that, that industry. Before we do, Chad, I, I want to go back to, I have one more question about starting and growing these businesses, especially from scratch, because a lot of my listeners are either thinking about starting, just getting started, or are in the very beginning stages. And probably a lot of us aren't as good as you from going, as, as going from zero to 100,000. And your first answer about the hard work and, and all of that stuff makes a ton of sense. Could you give us two to three maybe uh, tactical tips on like what people can do tomorrow when they go into the office to start uh, really growing uh, a business that maybe they have the idea for it or maybe they've actually started but, but are struggling to really get it off the ground? Well, it just depends, right? So I would say, I mean, like for instance, if you want to start a service business, let's say it's a service business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people wonder where to get clientele. I don't know why they wonder. It's right in front of you. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to look at you want to look at LinkedIn. You can look at LinkedIn. You can find uh, a million people to market to. It's right there. Um, it, you know, you want to, if you're a service business and you wake up and you're leaving your house, well, what do you, what are you driving by as you go to your office? You're driving by houses. Every one of those houses, you know, each house is going to require three, four, five thousand $5,000 a year and, and, you know, maintenance and upkeep and repairs. So you're driving by the very same clientele you need. You know, if you're in sales, you better be selling. You know, if your job, if, you, if you're building a company that requires sales, then you need to be shaking 10 hands a day. Mm-hmm. If, if, if your thing is not shaking hands and it's more phone calls, well, then you better make 100 phone calls a day. And mm-hmm. if cold calling is not your deal and you don't want to make 100 cold calls, then you better, you better make 200 impressions on social media a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sales is the highest paid work there is. And if you don't do it, it's the lowest paid that there is. Right. So the, the it's operator error. You know what to do. You know, to make that phone call, you know, to get off your ass and go shake somebody's hand and say, Hey, I'm, Hey, I'm Chad Peterson. I'm here to do business with you. You know, to do it, but we're all looking for another way. Well, how do I do this? Well, what's the magic trick? Or how do I make it easier? That's what people want to do, you know. They want to make Mm -hmm. things easier. Well, my advice to your listeners is to make it harder. Make your life harder so your life gets easier. Get get up in the morning and get ready for the day and go park your car in 10 clients every single day And you can't come home. I don't care if it's for a bathroom break or to grab a sandwich. You can't come home until your car has been parked in 10 potential customers' houses that day. Mm -hmm. That guy that will do that is almost extinct. 
So if you're the guy that does it, you're beating the competition because people aren't doing that anymore. They're trying to make it easy. They're hiding behind a computer screen. They're not cold calling. They're not shaking hands. They're not out there hustling and grinding. So, so skip the education. You don't need it. Go back to just brass tacks, hard work. Make sure you talk to 10 people a day and shake their hand and let them know what you do and that you're in for you're in business and success is almost a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's some great practical advice for sure. So, so let's hop back into this brokerage business and industry. I, I feel like it's probably an industry that not many people know too much about. Can you talk about even just in almost like an intro to business brokeraging, because even those of us that are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, not too many of us go through that process, right? For whatever reason of, of buying or selling. Can you give us like a little primer on, on the industry as a whole, if that makes sense? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, business brokering is a, is a, um, it, it's a unique craft and not that many people can really do it because you have to have the sales acumen and the business acumen. You have to have, you know, you have to have the history underneath you. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just jump out there and go do this. Plus you have to have a book of business. You know, it takes six or eight months to close a business, you know, to sell mm-hmm. one, to get one closed, six, six or eight months and nothing's guaranteed. So you have to be able to bridge that gap and get to a level, uh, you know, financially to where you can take that jump. But business brokering itself is the process of taking somebody who has an income earning, cash flowing business, and selling it to somebody else who more than likely wants to leave corporate America or become self-employed. There are builders and there are operators when it comes to business. In other words, there's entrepreneurs and there's managers. Mm-hmm. You'll find that most people that build a business are entrepreneurs and to run a business is a totally different deal. So primarily what I do is I help entrepreneurs sell their business to a more, uh, you know, practical fit regarding management. Hmm. So I find somebody who's been in corporate America who would love to be self-employed, but doesn't have the balls and the grit to go start that business like like the business owner that I'm selling does. And I'll take him out of his cubicle. He's making 75 grand, hundred thousand dollars a year in his cubicle. He has eight bosses. You know, he hates Mm -hmm. his drive to work. He hates his drive home. I'll take him out of that corporate America position and I'll put him right in the, the owner's seat of a business that's been established. And I will get that, uh, that entrepreneur who built that business. I'll get, I'll get that person on to another adventure. That's pretty much what I do uh, as if you want to label business brokering, that's really what I do. Right. And, and that's really interesting. The, the seller having a, a typical profile and the buyer having a typical profile. I never really thought about how that actually makes a ton of sense I'm thinking about it from the financial standpoint. How does the sell? How does the buyer, who's typically making, you know, let's call it seventy-five, whatever, a hundred thousand a year, if if the business is doing 
six figures, how can they afford that transaction? Or, or is it, is it an overtime payment? Is it a, you know, revenue percentage over time or how does that look from no, a financial no, standpoint? No, it's not. We, the, these transactions are driven by SBA backing. So 90% of the deals that we do are through SBA and the SBA, SBA small business administration. Okay. So SBA lending, uh, it's, they do most of the transactions. And so what it takes is 10%. So let's just say you wanted to buy a million dollar business. Okay. That million dollar business should make you around $350,000 a year. So in other words, if you're making $350,000, your business would be worth somewhere around a million, maybe, maybe 1.1. So let's just call it a million dollars. You wanted to buy that business. You would need $100,000 to buy that business. Mm-hmm. So you'd need to write a check for a hundred grand and get through the banking underwriting. Got and, it. and then, you know, then you have a payment to the bank every month and the business is making plenty enough money and the business uh, cash flows, the debt service to the bank. Got it. Okay. So, so that, that makes things a lot more simpler in my head in, in terms of the, the transaction. And, and so it does sound like a great opportunity for those manager type people out there, even if they're not making a ton of money, that this is a great opportunity to step into a seat where they, like you said, just might not have the courage to build up to themselves. Is it really so finite those, like, is, is that the majority of deals you see where the seller is an entrepreneur, a starter, and the buyer is working in corporate America? Yes. Okay. Yes. Very, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Builders, there's builders and there's operators, there's entrepreneurs and there's managers. I mean, it's the same thing. Right. So, so most people that um, want to sell their business, they, they've got a hundred reasons they want to sell their business, but, but I, I've been doing this too long. So I know the real reason why they want to sell their business is because, because they're, they're an entrepreneur. They're not a business owner. They're, they're not the mm-hmm. management type. And so, yeah, they can say, Oh man, I hate my employees and oh, I hate this and I hate that. And, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of that. And I'll say, look, I get it, but here's the real deal. You're an entrepreneur. You're not a business owner. So you've built it. Let's get you out of the way here. So you don't destroy your own business. Let's get somebody in here that can run this business and be the person that it takes and manage the business in the way that it needs to be managed. Right. And then how do you go and find those buyers? Do you kind of keep a, you know, like, like a stable of interested parties, almost like a recruiter has, you know, a kind of like a talent pool? Oh, sure. Yeah. My website is, is crawling the country and people come to us daily uh, wanting to buy a particular type of business. We have right now we have over 3000 active buyers, meaning, Hmm. Meaning if I sent out um, 3,000 emails a day, I'd get, you know, probably 80% of those would email me back probably the same day. I have 3,000 active buyers. I have more than that that are probably, you know, not so serious. But websites crawl in the entire country. I'm pulling in buyers on a daily basis. We've got a large buyer pool to tap into. And then I have people that work for me in different cities and they have the same thing. So Mm -hmm. let's just say you called me from Dallas, Texas or wherever, you know, I have somebody down there that's that he has his own buyer pool. 
So we have a very large buyer pool. And then in addition to that, we, we have clever ways of marketing the businesses um, on the websites and uh, out in the web in general. Mm-hmm. Great. Very interesting. And what would you tell someone who is interested in buying a business? You know, maybe they're still at their cubicle. Maybe they're listening to this episode right now in their cubicle, thinking about it, aren't sure if it's the right decision or not. What, what do you tell buyers who may not, sh- may not be sure that they're even buyers yet or that they'd be a good fit as a buyer? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is probably the most important piece of information that a potential buyer could ever have. They're not going to like the, they're not going to like what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. This is the most important piece of it. See, I have 3000 buyers right now. And let's say a business comes up. Like for instance, I've got one coming up um, probably on Monday and it'll, it's not a big one, but it'd be worth like 1.4 million. million. Well, I'm going to send out that information to my buyers. And this is a work from home, actually not even home, but work from a laptop, work from your cell phone type business. Mm -hmm. And it's making $450,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So here's what I'm going to tell your, I'm going to tell your audience that might be interested in buying a business. You have to get with a broker that is going to take care of you because why would I, why, why would I sell it to this guy that I don't know when I've got 3000 active buyers that are staying in touch with me, Mm -hmm. I'm going to send it out to 3000 people. I'll probably have 25 people interested in it. Like it'd be like throwing a piece of steak inside a, 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 a pen of dogs. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're thinking about buying a business, you have to be working with a broker. And secondly, you have to pay that broker. Mm-hmm. Here's and, and why. that's percentage-based, I'm, I'm assuming? No, not on the buyer side. Okay. I, I, if, if, if a buyer comes to me and they want to, I mean, I, I mainly, mainly sellers come to me, okay? I mean, a lot of them. I've had four sellers come to me today because remember I sell businesses, helping somebody buy a business. I can do just as easily. My point is that I'm not going to call Joe blow buyer up and say, Hey, I got this deal for you. You have to be actively engaged with me on my buyer list. Mm -hmm. And if you want something specifically, then you have to pay that broker to go get it for you because that that's a deal that would be done outside of the typical market. So that would be a deal that I would go get and I would do all my work with and I would figure out what it's worth and I comb through the business and make sure that it's, you know, healthy and uh, a safe investment and look at all the numbers and do all that. But I would never submit it to my 3000 people because this person has paid me to be at the front of the line. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what, what would that fee or fee structure look like if you had a specific business in mind? And then if you just want to be on a list and be informed when, you know, potential good offers come up, does that cost anything? No, that doesn't cost anything, but the chances of you actually getting the business that you want are pretty slim Mm -hmm. because of the market that's out there. 
So, and, and that's why I said they, they might not like that piece of information, but it's very real. Um, to answer your first question, how much do I charge? It depends. It depends on what kind of animal you're after. So what you're doing, whenever you come pay me to go get a business that you want, you're, you're paying me to go on an animal hunt. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're looking for a rabbit, that's, that's pretty, pretty easy to find. I would probably charge you 20,000. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking for a deer, well, doable, a little harder, um, might charge you 40,000. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you want an elephant, you know, it, I might, I might charge you 80,000. Right. So, so very right. case specific. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you want an elephant with, with uh, purple feet and, and pink toenails, mm -hmm. I, I might, I might charge you 150 grand. Right. And it depends on what you're going after and how hard the hunt is. If I go on a hunt and it takes me six or eight months, six or eight months of doing exactly what I told your audience to do, which is to park your car in 10 doors, at 10 doors a day and shake hands with 10 people a day and don't come home until you've done your work. If I'm going to do that for six or eight months to find this very rare animal that somebody wants, mm -hmm. you know, for instance, if you were to say, Hey, Chad, I want to work from a laptop and uh, my laptop and my phone and be footloose and fancy free. And uh, I want to make $450,000 a year. I would say, okay, give me $50,000 and I'll go find it for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now $50,000 might sound like a lot of money, but for every month that you don't have that business that's making $450,000 a month, you just cost yourself $38,000 a month by not owning that business. Right. So it's yeah. a cost of doing business. So if you want something like that, I'll go find it for you, but it does cost you unless you want to take the risk and just be on my distribution list whereby I went and found that $450,000 a year job that you can run with a laptop and a cell phone and I can send it out to the wolves and I'm sorry, but you're not even going to see a shred of the bone. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and building, going deeper into that, what percentage of these businesses are you seeing online? Because I have had some, like the minimal experience I've had with, let's call it business brokering, is using sites like Flippa to buy and sell websites and on, on a very small scale. But how much of what you're doing is primarily internet-based companies and, and how many are more of your kind of brick and mortar service company, you know, service businesses or mom and pop shops? Well, it's all, it's all across the board. I mean, I'll probably do, I'll probably do a hundred million dollars in business over the next year. It's all across the board, but to your first question online, I mean, yeah, we'll get things online. You know, we'll put them online, um, for sale, but, uh, like I said, you better know how to get a deal done if you want that business. You can't just, you know, Forrest Gump your way into it and just have everything just happen for you. You mm -hmm. got to know how to get a deal done. Right. And so if you find something online that you like, you must have the aptitude, the wisdom, and the experience to be able to get in there and get the business in your hands. And there's a lot of negotiations. There's a, there's conduct and how to conduct yourself throughout that hunting process to make sure you get a good look at it. And there's a way to go about it. There's a certain approach that will, 
either hinder you or help you obtain your goal of buying that business. And if you don't know what you're doing, you more than likely will get skunked out and you, you won't get that business. Somebody else will have bought it. So having a good broker in your corner is crucial. Mm -hmm. And have, have you noticed in the last few years, just with the prevalence of, of the internet and technology and uh, just more ways to make money online, are you seeing more internet-based businesses pop up as opposed to something like a service business or a, or a physical shop? I think that's where the world has gone. I think that um, there is a market out there for online uh, businesses. Um, it's definitely there. Some of the online businesses are overpriced. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them are even harder to get banked. Okay. So let's just say you want to go and you want to buy a million dollar business. Like I said, if it's a million dollar business, it should be paying you around $350,000 a year. Well, the problem is that it's all online. There's no hard assets. There's no collateral. Right. So you go to the bank and yeah, it's really neat and great that you can run a business online and you're operating with a cell phone and a laptop and that's awesome. But when the bank goes to underwrite, they're like, well, wait a minute, what, what are we going to attach to? What's our collateral? What's our underwriting based on? What, what are the assets? And if it's all what we call blue sky, which is just all earnings and nothing really there to underwrite on, it's a lot harder, if not impossible to, get it done at a bank, in which case then you have to become creative on how that business gets bought. Mm -hmm. Meaning, meaning you're going to have to do a seller carry component. You're going to have to do owner finance, mm -hmm. but, but anybody who's smart is not going to allow you to do it hundred percent. I'm not going to sell my business on hundred percent seller carry. Right. So you're going to have to come up with a lot of money and the banks aren't going to give it to you either because again, it's not, you can't underwrite it. So the, the businesses are there. They're usually overpriced because people know that they're sexy businesses and a lot of people want those types of businesses, but getting it done is a whole entire other chapter to talk about. And it's, it's it, the chances of somebody getting a deal done without knowing how to get a deal done is it's, it's almost impossible. So that's why you need a good mm -hmm. broker that you trust somebody who's driven, intelligent and passionate about what they do and has the experience that can help you. Right. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Chad, this has been really, really interesting, really insightful. I have two more questions. One of which is, are there any resources that you've found over the years you've relied on yourself? Uh, do you read blogs? Do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts? You know, how, how do you uh, learn or, or, or continue to grow yourself? Well, I don't do a whole lot of reading anymore. Um, I've probably read over 600 books. Um, I, you know, I would say that out of all the information I've ever read, the most important book I ever read was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. um, I also like, I also listen to Tony Robbins because, you know, he has dedicated his entire life to the psychology of living. Right. Now you can read, you can read the Bible. I've read the Bible several times. That's great. But, you know, do you, do you come away after you read the Bible with real world practical knowledge of today's time and age and, and be able to apply that? Probably not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but a guy like Tony Robbins, who's current and relevant today, um, he really knows how to encapsulate all that wisdom into physiology and psychology. And, um, you know, he's able to really transcend such wonderful messages for people. So I listen to him. And um, also I listen to Abraham Hicks, uh, Esther Hicks, which if you know anything about the madly successful Esther Hicks or Abraham Hicks was she's the grandmother of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all about manifestation and being aligned with who you are and envisioning and, and, and dreaming the life that you want. And that really was Napoleon Hill's book in short, think and grow rich. If you think rich, you're rich, you know, right. think and grow rich. So when people are out there looking for a quick fix, they're looking for a band aid. they're looking for how to make it easy. They're looking for a better way. They're looking, whatever, you know, just read, think and grow rich. Listen to Esther Hicks, listen to Tony Robbins, listen to these people that are, that are showing you how to live an intentional life for deliberate creation. And they talk about alignment and being passionate about what it is you want to do. That's how you're going to be successful. And so that's what I do. I don't read a whole lot of, of new information because you know, when you've read the Bible three times and you've read 600 books or more, What's another one going to do for you? I just go back to the real good reads um, that I just mentioned, and I keep myself fresh on them. Right. That, that's a great answer. And almost unfortunately, you, you kind of answered my last question too, which was going to be if you could give one or two pieces of just general advice to a guy or girl who's out there right now sitting in their cubicle and, and not happy with where they're at or, or a current business owner who's not happy with where they're at. Um, as great as those, do, do you have one or two more points? Because you happen to answer that question really well. With well, the yeah. last one. well, yeah, I do. I do. And you know, the first thing that I'm going to tell your audience about being in that cubicle that you don't want to be in is you don't have to be, mm-hmm. you don't have to do, Anything you don't want to do in 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can drive down the road at 80 miles an hour and send you a text message. I don't even have to use my thumb anymore. I can hit a button on my phone. I can send you a three paragraph message and send it to you halfway across the world, all the way across the world. You could be in Africa right now. And as long as you got a cell tower, you're going to, you're going to get a message from me from 80 miles an hour down the highway. The technology we have, uh, we're on a zoom call right now. And uh, I don't know where you're at, but you know, we are, we are probably 2000 miles away from one another. And they're and the, and your listeners right now are in their car or they're mowing the grass or they're doing whatever. They got their earbuds in or whatever. And they're listening to us. It's, it's amazing what you can do out there with today's times, you know, a hundred years ago when it was about, you know, you had to be, you had to have a farm and you had to plant beans and corn and that was all you had to do, or you had to work on a factory. I can understand you going, well, Hey, this is it. This is all I got. But we all carry cell phones in our pockets that Mm -hmm. will make you a millionaire. If you quit just surfing the web and trying to get Facebook likes That phone in your pocket is an absolute weapon. So if you're in a cubicle and you don't like what you're doing, it's your fault. You don't have to do it anymore. Go in, quit your job, and use that 
that phone that encapsulates your phone, your email, your text, your social media connections, the internet itself, and go find a way to make $100,000 a year and create your own freedom because freedom is the most profound emotion in the human heart. And if you're stuck somewhere and you think it's because somebody's making you, you are correct. It's you that's making you stuck in that cubicle where you have no freedom. Right. Chad, great, great response. And I think a great note to end on. Really appreciate it again that you've come on the show. Great story to hear about uh, insights into an industry that I wanted to learn more about. So I'm really happy that we were able to get this done. If people are interested in learning more about you, about selling or buying a business or or just getting in touch or following you, where where can they do that? Just go to petersonacquisitions.com. And for all your listeners, if they'll just go to the website, petersonacquisitions.com and click on get the book, as long as they tell me that it's from Solopreneur Grinds uh, podcast, I will send them the book. So they can get the they can get the download for free, awesome. and I just I just basically emailed it to them, but uh, yeah, PetersonAcquisitions.com. Uh, I work seven days a week. Um, I would work nine if I could. <laughs> but I, I work nine days a week if I could. But uh, uh, you know, go to the website, contact me, and uh, we're here to help you. Awesome, Chad. Thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.